Hello, and welcome to MedTech Insights Cardio Conversations. I'm Reed Miller, MedTech Insights Commercial and R&D Editor. For this edition of the podcast, we have a return guest, Quentin Blackford, the CEO of iRhythm. As you probably know, iRhythm markets the Zeo line of cardiac monitoring patches, but as we discussed in this podcast, it's a lot more than just a high-tech patch. iRhythm also maintains an ever-expanding ocean of data processed through an extremely sophisticated artificial intelligence to diagnose arrhythmias. In this conversation, we talked about the clinical evidence that's supporting iRhythm's long-term monitoring technology, the company's plans to do a better job in the mobile cardiac telemetry, MCT space, the company's move into markets outside the United States, and a couple other topics. Hope this will reveal not only what iRhythm is up to, but also offer some insights into how AI can advance cardiovascular diagnostics. In case you're coming to this podcast from somewhere other than our website, please go to medtechinsight.com and check out the article that accompanies this podcast. That will offer you a bit of the background that you might need to understand this conversation. And there you can also find access to all of Sightline's podcasts and a lot more coverage across medtech, pharma, generics, and consumer health. To start off, I asked Quentin to just explain for the listeners how iRhythm differentiates itself. So let's get into it. This is fantastic. I mean, obviously, we've talked a couple times before. We did not talk since you launched the monitor. Yeah. So I I think, Reed, as you understand, but important for your audience to understand, you know, we're we're more than just a a product or a patch company. We're a platform company, right, that that offers so much more. And importantly, the data that comes off of our wearable patch, uh, that data has algorithms that are run against it that are powered by billions of hours of curated ECG data um, and truly advanced AI capabilities that then allow us to provide a diagnosis or a recommended diagnosis off of the patch that uh, our physicians will agree with 99% of the time. So uh, much more than just a patch, but but it really an entire platform. I think that the thing that's most interesting about Zeo Monitor is it continues to improve upon that patient experience in a significant way relative to Zeo XT. One, it's 72% smaller than what our XT product was. It's it's 23% thinner, uh, 62% lighter. All of that leads to a continued improvement in the patient wear experience, which is is so important because while the device is prescribed for 14 days, uh, you want to make sure that patient wears it for the full 14 days. And with Monitor, we're finding that patients comply with that 99% of the time, meaning they're getting all the way out to the full duration. So I'm super excited by Monitor. We launched it in September in the U.S. market. I will tell you the the demand for it has been much more than what we had anticipated out of the gate to the point that it put a little bit of pressure on our, our XT um, or the, the previous generation product inventory levels from a, a perspective of not being able to sell through all of that because folks wanted Monitor first. You just didn't time it quite the way you, you would like where you ended up with leftover XT yeah. and people just wanted the new thing. I mean, that happens to every we, retailer, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We, it, we it's similar, right? We, we had a very specific plan we were trying yeah. to work through in terms of who was going to get Zeo Monitor, you know, as we launched it. And that would allow us to sell through the old Zeo XT inventory with the right. other customers. Well, when the other customers got word of, of how good Zeo Monitor had been for folks, they demanded they wanted monitor, which means we could no longer sell them XT. We had to right. get a monitor. And now we have these excess inventory positions on XT that we're Okay. I, s- I assume it's not like selling cars. I can put you into the XT for, you know, whatever you No, no, no. There's no uh, used <laughs> car salesmanship. Here. Yeah, there's no. Uh, okay. I mean, I assume that it's not the end of the world. Um, no, actually, this is a yeah. very good thing, Reed. I, to be right. clear, this is a very good thing because our Zio monitor actually has a much better financial profile to it, meaning our margins are higher. So we want to okay. get them there as quick as possible. But but then we have all this old inventory that we weren't able to sell. And that that's a little bit of a challenge. When you're talking to prospective customers, how do you explain that to them? 
So, well, actually, we're at, an I think, a very interesting time and place where artificial intelligence is getting a lot of conversation today. And we have mm-hmm. the opportunity to truly sit down and educate on the different types of AI that, that are present. And most all of our competitors either use an expert rule AI capability or a machine learning AI capability. We utilize a true deep neural network which is a much more sophisticated type of artificial intelligence. And, and that's enabled by the fact that we have billions of hours of heartbeat data that we can now use to power those neural networks. And so having the opportunity to sit down and, and educate them on the different types of AI is important. But probably even more important now is the fact that there is data, published data out there that articulates just how unique and different Zio is relative to our competitors. So take the Camelot data as an example. You know, here's a Camelot study that looked at the CMS data set, and it looked uh, at all patients retrospectively from the first time that they had a patch or some sort of monitor applied to them to begin to try to identify if an arrhythmia was present or not. And then it it monitored or it looked at, um, by product, the ability to diagnose the arrhythmia, how accurate was that diagnosis, did you have to retest or not to find the arrhythmia because you didn't find it the first time? And what was the cost to the healthcare system um, for caring for that patient? And what that Camelot data found very clearly was um, not only was long-term cardiac patch-based monitoring far superior to event recorders, halter monitors, or even MCT devices, within the long-term cardiac monitoring category, Zio in particular was far superior to any other competitive offering. And so for the first time, we have out of the CMS data set a very clear perspective of exactly what product has been the best product over the last, you know, several years, and that's Zeal. So now Camelot ends up being the way to really sit down and differentiate with our payers and our physicians that Zeal is the best product unequivocally. You mentioned that you had, I think, 30% of the market share in the accounts that you're in. First of all, what is the other 70%? Is it just the old clunky yeah. halter monitor deal? And then what do you have to do to get that other 70%? Uh, no. The vast majority of it is the halter monitor still. Yeah. Um, some of some of them will still use an MCT solution. Um, and we do have an MCT product, read, but it, it's not the right product to truly compete there over time. We have 7% market share in MCT. We have 70% market share in long-term cardiac monitoring. The difference is the fact that our Zio AT product is just not as competitive as the other MCT solutions. So when we look at the market share in the accounts we're in, uh, the majority of the time, the remaining market share is represented by halter monitors or somebody else's MCT product. There will be something coming on Zio MCT, and actually that's yeah. probably – for us, it's one of the most exciting opportunities in front of us because every 10 points of market share is about $100 million of incremental revenue to iRhythm. And again, we only have 7% in the MCT category. We have 70% in the patch, the long-term patch category. We think we can close that gap dramatically. So there's several hundred million dollars of opportunity. We will get on file with the FDA towards the end of this year with our new MCT product, and we should have approval and be in the market selling that better product, that, that more competitive product in the back part of 25. I mean, this seems like it's such an obvious solution to everybody, especially because I've used a halter monitor. It's, it's not great. 
So how do you identify those people who are most likely to benefit who aren't already on board? Well, I think I think there's a couple ways of doing it. With the ease of use of the product, so we've made the product so easy to use. As a matter of fact, a, a, a physician doesn't even have to apply it in their practice. They can just prescribe it, and we can send it to a patient's home, and have, the patient can put it on by themselves at home. But that opens up a huge opportunity to actually move beyond the cardiologist and the EP and move up into primary care. And this is probably the greatest opportunity for us to expand the the current market that we serve. Today, about 6.4 million ACM tests are prescribed by a cardiologist or an EP in the United States. But 15 million patients are seen by a primary care physician with cardiac palpitations in their medical records already noted. The question is, how do you get up into primary care? And, And what we're seeing, Reed, is that given how easy the product is to use, and the fact that 99% of the time a physician will agree with our recommended diagnosis, our own cardiologists and EPs in these big networks that they now reside within are actually inviting the, the, the general practitioner, the primary care physician, to the table and educating them on why they should start to prescribe it in their office. Because what it allows the, the network to do then is really identify who should be going on to a cardiologist and where they want to spend their time with that patient versus who they shouldn't be. Because historically, before you put a patch on them in primary care, when the primary care physician would just see the palpitation, they'll send them on to a cardiologist. And the cardiologist is like, I didn't really need to see this patient. Now, by putting the the patch on earlier, uh, we're screening or creating a tremendous amount of workflow efficiency um, in that effort. And so 21% of our registrations in 2023 actually came from a primary care physician. Uh, We now have contracts in place with one medical and and several other of these large national primary care physician groups, which demonstrate this product is absolutely going to move up into primary care. There's a warning letter. Now, that just affects the AT, correct? And so how does that affect your ability to either move in that market or does it matter to XT at all? Uh, Other than just I know what you have to do to, to fix it, like how is that affecting your business? I don't see it impacting the XT business, Reed. We were very proactive at being upfront and intentional with our customer base to talk about this and, and to just be very yeah. open with them. And actually, we, we've received a lot of good feedback with the way that we have handled this with our, our customer base and appreciating the fact that we're being transparent. Where it's impacted us is more on the timelines of getting the new Zeo MCT product to market because we needed to remedy the concerns of the FDA, rightfully so, mm-hmm. um, with Zeo AT before we could file our 510k submission for Zeo MCT. So okay. we just we just got our AT uh, filings on file with the FDA here in January. Um, those are now in their hands. Once they're approved, we'll move on to getting MCT filed and, and on to getting that approval. I guess you're mostly a U.S. company right now, so you want to obviously the, the move the rest of the world. So how are you approaching that? Do you have certain priorities in terms of specific markets? So we're we're very focused on moving the product into the international markets. Um, we actually have UK clinical approval. We now have EU clinical approval. Well, we're in the process of getting the Japanese regulatory approval as well. So today we sell into the UK. Over the course of this year, we'll begin to sell into a handful of new European markets, which we're excited about. But probably what has us most excited is the Japanese market. It's the second largest market in the world, one and a half million ACM tests prescribed every year. We're on file with the regulators there. We're going back and forth answering their questions. Would expect to get regulatory approval by the end of 24 and be selling into that market in 2025. The thing that has us most excited is that 
in that process of working with the regulators and as they reviewed the data in and around Zio in particular, um, they gave us a high medical needs designation to our product, which is really unique in that market because it's not high medical needs designation specific to long-term cardiac patches. This is a high medical needs designation specific to the Zio patch, which is going to give us a great competitive advantage in that market once we launch. Is that at all similar to the breakthrough designation? Yeah, it's it's similar, yeah. right? When it's right. identified as high medical needs designation, all of a sudden the physicians have to pay attention to it, and it, it'll get preferential treatment from a reimbursement perspective. When the physician wants to monitor a patient for cardiac arrhythmias, they're going to have the halter monitor that they monitor with today. And they're going to see the option of a Zio patch, which is going to have the high medical needs designation and the backing of the Jap- Japanese Cardiac Society with it um, right. in their systems. Are any of these countries sort of different, either just in their cultural attitude towards this kind of technology or in terms of what it takes to get reimbursement? Is there anything kind of unique, the challenges in any of these other countries, or it's the same idea? you got to get the primary care people. The model in terms of who the customer ends up being um, other than the patient, and you know, so we're talking physician-customer, it has the potential to be similar or the same in each one of these markets. It's going to be a cardiologist, it's going to be an EP, and, and ultimately it's going to be a, a primary care physician. I think where the difference resides, and it's really country by country, comes into sort of the, the regulations around how you operate. And a lot of this comes back to data privacy and patient information, right? So every country has a different requirement around how you how you manage the patient data. And that uh, makes you almost have to take a, a country by country approach to how you enter into the, the European Union. PFA, which is pulse field ablation for people who don't remember, that's going to change AF ablation in the next couple of years. It's probably going to change in the next couple of months, being a safer way basically of doing ablation. How does that help? So we don't think about the need to monitor uh, a traditional ablation any different than a, a pulse field ablation. Um, we right. think the monitoring requirement is still the same. However, with PFA, we know the time to, per- to perform the procedure is meaningfully less, significantly less. And so, you know, the, the reason that it's getting a lot of attention with these companies who have recent approvals um, and the excitement around the growth profile is that there's going to be a whole lot more ablations performed because there's a lot more time um, for the physician to be able to perform those ablations, right? And so with the, the, the volume of ablations increasing, you're going to see an increase in the volume of monitoring those ablations. So 80 to 90% of all ablations will be monitored with, with a post-procedure you know, monitor like our own. Um, so if you're increasing the overall volume of PFAs being done, you can count on the fact that you're going to be monitoring a whole lot more ablations. And is that something that the electrophysiologist has to make happen, or is that then something that, that has gone back to the cardiologist or the primary care physician to make sure that happens? Usually the, the electrophysiologist who's doing the ablation will um, provide the, the patch right there. Uh, okay. So you have to deal with them. Okay. You know, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. It's It's much faster. More volumes is, is how to think about it. In the past, we talked about the, the watch, for, and that was supposed to happen in 2024. So is there anything to say about that? Well, with respect to the watch, um, mm-hmm. we're hopeful to get into market evaluations this year in 2024 yet. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, commercializing that is you know, going to be further out in 25 or, or even 26, but uh, we'll, learn, we'll learn a lot with it. The most exciting one is, is MCT. You know, We yeah. couldn't be more excited about an opportunity to, to really move the needle um, on the MCT side. And again, every 10 points of share in the MCT category is $100 million or, or roughly $100 million of value to us. And, and we just don't have the right product there today, but 
but our teams have the right product and development to, to go close that market share gap. And is that a similar you know, group of customers in the same kind of... I think um, that's what excites us most, Reed, is the customers that represent the 70% market share that we have mm-hmm. today in long-term cardiac patch-based monitoring. They're the same customers that are prescribing an MCT product, but they're prescribing a competitive MCT product because oh, okay. the current product there is not competitive enough. Okay, I think that was it in terms of the... I don't know if there's anything else going on in the pipeline or any other big presentations coming up. Yeah, we'll um, have some good, interesting data that will continue to get published. Um, I think, you know, the Camelot data is important. We'll come – there will be a, a sort of a second generation of Camelot data that, that we'll look to publish this year as well that will look more specifically at commercial payer data sets. That's going to be fascinating, and, and we're certainly excited by that. I, you know, the Camelot data has opened so many doors with payers – and physicians to sit down and understand why and how Zio, you know, is so much better than the competition based upon this retrospective look at, at 300,000 patients out of the CMS data set. So we're excited to get that out of a, a commercial data set and, and think that can really move the needle. I think the first time we ever talked, we were just talking about reimbursement and price, and that was sort of the big hassle you were dealing with. Do you feel like that, that has gotten a lot better, or is that just a, a day-to-day slog that you have to deal with? You know, CMS has their arms around this thing, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, from this point forward, there's going to be a lot of stability in, in the rate. You know, when you and I first talked, I was just, you know, recently had joined the company, and, and reimbursement was a top area of focus for us. And we got that resolved within a matter of months, you know, with CMS and getting a national rate put in place. And, and now we're three years into it, and that national rate has stayed very stable. And yep. um, I, I fully expect that will continue to be the case into the future. Okay. I think that was all I had. I mean, just kind of a good time to catch up unless there's anything else going on that I've forgotten, either in terms of the technology or the business or the um, clinical trial part of it. No, I, I think I think we hit most of it. Uh, you know, again, we couldn't couldn't be more excited. We think we're just sort of getting started um, at the opportunity that sits out there, and you know, we redefine the way that that we think about arrhythmias being diagnosed. We we transform this space once, and looking forward to continuing to do that now up into the primary care space. I look forward to whatever comes next, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be in the same building at some point. Thanks so much, Reed. Thanks for your time. All right.